Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. And welcome back to the High Low Sports Podcast. Is DJ joined as always by Kelsey? And Kelsey, we had ourselves a busy week in the sports world, and the NFL season is well underway. And we even got some basketball news, and baseball is starting to come up close too. So it's definitely a very active week in sports. Yeah, it has been absolutely insane to watch lately. I mean, you talked about everything. Everything is hitting right now. We had week two of the NFL, week three of the NCAA football season. Uh, we called some games on Colorcast. Ben Simmons decided he's going to call game on his 76ers career. I mean, there's, there's so much that's happened so far. It's been absolutely fantastic. But that's going to take us into the kickoff brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. If you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles yet, go to our link in our bio, swiftlifestyles.com. And while you're there, check out their, all their products. They have a lot of great healthy energy drink content, one of the few healthy drinks on the on the market out there. And they do also have some little gummies as well, which, uh, by the way, much better than Flintstone gummies, i got to say. And uh, if you eat a couple more of them, you probably won't have as many issues with as, as you might with the Flintstone gummies. I know I would eat a whole lot of those Flintstone gummy bears when I was younger. And honestly, I hated the repercussions with it. But these ones, on the other hand, I could throw back like candy within reason. Though. So I, I would definitely highly recommend these as well, too. And it doesn't give you the itches like some of those other pre-workouts do as well, too, before going to the gym. You end up scratching and feeling uncomfortable. So definitely give Swift Lifestyles a try if you want to be active and awake. Yeah, speaking of active and awake, though, we got to talk about these 76ers. Uh, probably not very active right now considering they're just getting into training camp. And one of these people that is not very active in training camp will be Ben Simmons saying that he is not reporting with the 76ers and he is going to end his career with the Sixers. Uh, now he does not want to play another game with the team. And then Doc Rivers, well, Doc Rivers decided to come out a little bit later on and saying, well, no, 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 hold on now. We still want you, Ben. Like, what, what are we making of this situation? So the trade at, the trade rumors are active and what you're saying is any chance of them playing together is not a work. So it sounds like honestly, Ben Simmons wants to get out of there. As we have thought about all season, he kind of was the scapegoat after they lost to the Hawks in the playoffs as well too. Everyone basically blamed Ben Simmons inability to shoot or refusal to shoot and his free throw shooting percentage, which is worth worse than my golf swing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'd so I, it makes sense. Cause I mean, we even talked about too, it was blatantly kind of on him on that one. When you are the second best player, you gotta be, gotta be there. And he wasn't. 
But at the same time, I don't blame him for wanting to get out too, because that team's supposed to back you and your own team. Minus Joel Embiid was kind of like, yeah, wasn't on us. So I don't blame him for wanting to get out. And I think, I don't think you honestly can play with, I think he has to go. You have to find a way to move him some way. This is not going to work. It's, it's going to look like some weird Le'Veon Bell situation or something like that as well, too. So I think he's gone done in Philadelphia. Doc Rivers may want him, but the, I don't think it's going to work out. Otherwise, he's just going to be sitting there, not playing, not losing trade value. They they honestly might want to get this done before the season. I think that's when you get the most value for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's at, at Doc Rivers. He's, he's saying some interesting things here. He's like, you know, it, you'd be amazed if I told you how many times through a summer when you don't win, which is 29 teams. How often you have to go through something similar to this if you're players because losing's hard, people internalize it and you have to deal with it. So we're we're going to deal with this. And then he's backtracking from his comments that he said after the the final or after the playoffs. And it's just like I, I don't know what to make of these Doc Rivers comments, but I, I I mean I will say if Ben Simmons is like, nah, I'm good, I don't want to play, like I don't think there's any way if you're the Sixers, there's there's a reason to keep him around. And I do think he probably deserves out. And let's not forget, while he's not the best shooting point guard and best offensive point guard in the league. Uh, defensively, I, I don't think there's very many better out there. Like, truthfully. Right now, Doc Rivers is having a, well, 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 did you look at that? It's the consequences of my own actions moment right now, realizing you're probably not going to get equal value back for Ben Simmons either, too. Like, who out there is going to trade an all-star who, obviously, as you mentioned, Ben Simmons, one of the best defenders from the guard position, you'll find out there. He can guard one through four and a half. Yeah, He can handle the ball. He's a as far as quintessential point guard, you get pretty much everything out of him except the ability to put the ball in the bucket and the ability to spread the floor. And on the right team, he could be very, very dirty. If you almost, it's weird to say, but I think if you used him in a Draymond Green type role, he would be absolutely sensational. Yeah. And I think the problem is with the Sixers and Joel Embiid, you can't do that, especially when you lost shooting as well too. Danny Green getting hurt as well. You just, you didn't have the firepower around it. So it's tough, and I think the reason Doc Rose is backtracking is because he's realizing, like, oh, I'm not going to get Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons. Shoot. I'm not going to get Clay Thompson. Like, you're not going to not gonna get Bradley Beal. You're probably not going to get one of those arguably better players, if not equally all-star level guys. So this is him backtracking. And I don't know what you're on. You're going to have to take the hit, unfortunately. At this point, you're going to have to take fewer, lesser players, quote-unquote, but ones that fit around Joel Embiid better and pray Joel Embiid is healthy when you need him the most, too, because – I think it's going to get really rough for Philadelphia. They're still going to be a playoff team, still probably a top five or so seed, but I don't think they're going to be that clear number one seed that everyone's a little bit worried about the def- best defensive team in the game, arguably the rotational pieces. Like they're going to, they're going to have to rebuild in the soft season and they got to do it quickly, which is why I think the quicker they can get a trade done, the better. Like, I mean, Rich Paul's his agent. Maybe he somehow finds a way to get Ben Simmons on the Lakers with everybody else. Too. Maybe him and Adele are working on something behind the scenes. I don't know, but I feel like you had to get Ben Simmons out of there quick, fast and in a hurry. That way you can at least build a plan moving forward. You're not doing it on the fly at the start of the season and potentially putting yourself in a hole. Who do you see him landing with? And what do you see them giving up? Because I, I'm with you. I don't see them obviously getting equal contribute or equal contribution that they're going to be losing and getting rid of Ben Simmons. So what, I mean, realistically, who do you see him ending up? Cause I know, and this one kills me as a Kings fan, but as a Kings fan, a lot of talk of him ending up in Sacramento. And I just don't see a fit there personally, but where do you think he ends up? And do you think Sacramento might be a fit for him? It's a, not a good fit for Sacramento, but it's a good fit for the Sixers. If you can get De'Aaron Fox in return. Oh man, De'Aaron Fox on a pick and roll with Joel Embiid, his ability to distribute him. He's a blur in the fast rate. That's probably the best player you're going to get at this point. So if they can pull that out, the Sixers better bang. <laughs> they better be like, you know what? Take that. Instead of saying De'Aaron Fox and, and some draft picks, it should be the other way around. The Sixers should be and say, 
saying, please here, take Ben Simmons and our draft picks. Kind of like the Stafford and uh, Jared Goff trade. It's like, oh, here, take our draft picks and our quarterback. That's what the six need to be doing. If Ben Simmons is not coming back and you can pull that trade off, you should. If I'm the Sacramento Kings, I say absolutely not. No, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. But the Kings aren't, as you know, aren't exactly known for sound GM moves, unfortunately. No, that's a, that's a shot right in the heart to my uh, my Kings fandom right there. But you're exactly right. The fact right. that they're even discussing this is that my point exactly. Like, Darren Fox is an absolute stud that not a lot of people have heard of. Like, he's – honestly, we haven't got to NBA predictions, but he might be one of my sleeper guys to look out for. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for, like, a month away. <laughs> and I might change my mind between now and then if he ends up on a different team. But I, Darren Fox is outstanding. Ben Simmons with Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, Marvin Bagley, I guess. Like, it's, it's a rough fit. Like, it could work. He could distribute and get some of those shooters they have out on the perimeter. He can run with them. I don't know how him and Marvin Bagley would work. I mean, Bagley can stretch the mid-range a little bit, but I, I just don't know how that fit works either. Like, you need to have shooters on Golden State might be an interesting fit for him. Just at the, he could basically guard the threes on the other team. But on offense, he could just kind of run, and you have Steph and Clay running around in circles off 4,000 screens the entire time. Then Draymond just don't ever shoot again. Like, yeah, they already have Draymond, who doesn't shoot. Just add Ben Simmons to it. Just tell him you can't shoot either. And then, I don't know. It's it's tough to find a fit for Ben Simmons this late as well, too, because you can't really build around him as much as you'd like. It has to be a team that's already pre-built in a way that complements his skill set. I don't think there's a whole lot. And at the same time, they have to be pre-built for him and be able to give up something the 76ers going to want in return, which I just don't think – there just doesn't really seem to be that many options. Like, you can't send him to Milwaukee, for example, because they'd have to give up Drew Holiday and pro- or Chris Middleton. And him and Giannis makes no sense whatsoever. That team is built for Giannis, and he's a better version of Ben Simmons, really, if you look at it. A bigger, longer, better, who is now virtually a center who can handle the ball, considering how buff and how he's destroying people down low. Mm-hmm. I just, you could send him to the Nets, I guess, but then you'd have to give up Kyrie or James Harden, and why would you do that if you're the Nets? Like, you have already you already have the best team in the league right now on paper. The way things are going, you send him to the Lakers, and then you have him, Russ, LeBron, Anthony Davis. You have no shooting. You just bully your way into the paint with four guys with reckless abandon. Hell, like throwing Dwight Howard too and just assault the paint, nothing outside the free throw line. Granted, if you get fouled, you're in trouble with that team. But then I, the, the Clippers, maybe, and I, but that doesn't really, I don't know how that works either. I mean, you'd have to probably give up Paul George or a whole lot of everything else. And that doesn't make sense. Like, there's just, it's hard to find a true good fit for him. I, I, you know, I've, I've been kicking this idea around in my head and I, I want to get your opinion on it. The Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder lives and dies by three pointers, lives. And dies by three-pointers. And has died pretty violently the last playoff series. Exactly. But the only thing that really that they struggled with is when their point guard went down, when Mike Conley went down. Well, what if you take a Ben Simmons, replace him in Mike Conley's shoes? He already has experience playing with somebody like uh, Danny, or uh, yeah, with uh, Ingles, who he plays on with the Australian national team. Why not let him run point for that team all you need him for is defense and assists. I don't need any offense whatsoever from Ben Simmons. You go push that ball and you go have fun and you put dish out to one of my wide open three point shooters and watch them rain down threes and you can average 25 assists a game. Like, do you think that could be possible? Or do you think that's just like my wishful thinking coming to play? If I had any faith in Rudy Gobert's ability to put the ball in the bucket by himself, I would love that fit. The problem is I feel like with Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons, at any given point, you could have two offensive liabilities, more or less, because there are times when Rudy Gobert is being guarded by a point guard and he's completely useless. Like you, ha- His only way to score is put back dunks and alley-oops. And if Ben Simmons can't really shoot either, that's going to congest the paint. Then you have Donovan Mitchell, who likes to slash. I like it, though. Like I like it from the standpoint of, all right, Ben, dish it. 
just sling it around, sling and bang from the outside, then throw it out loop to Rodrigo Bear when he backdoor cuts. Like, I think it's still good. I just don't know if it gets them a lot better compared to a Mike Conley necessarily, because I think Mike Conley gives you ability to shoot while swinging and banging around the edge and be able to get in the paint. But I don't hate it because defensively with him and Rudy Gobert, that's going to be real difficult. And Donovan Mitchell flying around like a free safety. Like it is not a bad fit. I don't, if you did Mike Conley for Ben Simmons straight across and didn't have to give up any of your snipers, could be an interesting way to shake it up for the Jazz because they'll have to make a slight change if they want to go farther next year, unfortunately, which is weird to say about a number one seed. It's just yeah. they kind of peaked at that number one seed, unfortunately. Well, from now we'll transition from the hardwood to the gridiron in our main event segment brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All the wonderful soap you've come to know and love without the harsh chemicals, the fantastic smells. And at the same time, they still do have some Star Wars flavored soaps as well, too. Get those while limited supplies last as well. Get your Darth Maul on, get your Yoda, get your Obi-Wan, get your Darth Vader. Whatever the feeling, whatever the situation, you'll smell absolutely fantastic. But that brings us now to the main event on the gridiron. Week two of the NFL season. A whole lot to be high on and a whole lot to be low on and a whole lot in between. But we're going to start in the infirmary. Oh, my goodness, was there a lot of injuries this week, especially at the quarterback position. Especially at the quarterback position. And that's going to lead straight into one of my lows. Uh, I'm going to take one quarterback in particular who just can't catch a break. I, at this point in time, I like, I don't get how one man can get so injured so often. It just doesn't make sense. And that's Carson Wentz. If you guys haven't heard, he dealt with not one, but two sprained ankles in the same game. He injured his one ankle earlier in the game and then again got take, tackled late. And the other ankle <clears throat> was ended up being sprained. I, I just don't get it. Like, how can one man who is so good deal with so many injuries in his life? And these are like, there's they, they seem like small ones, but they just, I mean, when you roll one ankle, you can deal with it. You just tape it up and, you, and you're just dealing with pain. But then you roll the, sa- the second ankle later that game. I mean, you can't walk. Like it's just not fair to some people. And then this is just one of those situations where, against a tough LA Rams team, without Carson Wentz in the in the final drive, they still only lose by a field goal. Imagine if Carson's there. But that'll take me into my first low, and it's going to piggyback off of yours. I'm just low on the entire Colts team as a general, <laughs> honestly, right now. Your quarterback is now has two dead legs, more or less. He's been hit, I think, twenty plus times in these first two games. Your offensive line, which is supposed to be a strength, is now kind of a weakness. It's not the same. Eric Fisher still getting his sea legs. Brandon Smith was out. Ryan Kelly does not look like Ryan Kelly. Quinton looks like he had offseason surgery. Honestly, he looks like offseason surgery and was on a COVID list. Like Mark Lewinsky still Mark Lewinsky at the guard. Like they, they have some holes. The receivers, Zach Pascal is your bright spot, and he should not be your bright spot. Honestly, he's a he's the He's a really good player, but he should not be your leading touch. Your only guy that's got a touchdown, basically, or three out of the four passing touchdowns on the season. Your running game, where are they at, though? Like, where, where's it at? Mark, Jonathan Taylor has, like, 110 yards on the season. We expect him to get that in a game. The fantasy owners probably are losing their mind, minus the fact he's catching. Hey, so, still not Mack, the worst. They, I will say, still not the worst running output in the AFC South either. So, just. <laughs> not at all, too. Like, we'll get into that in just a little bit, too. Marlon Mack, a guy you resigned a 1,000-yard rusher the last time he played 14-plus games. He did not get carries until the third quarter, and they led to a score. Naeem Hines, you just resigned him. Not too – he's okay. He's, he's, he's Obviously, you're going to get him in short spurts, honestly. You already knew that. He just haven't, hasn't made any big plays. And that defense, we had high hopes for that defense. That's part of the reason. We both thought they would be really good. They have been cooked for a large majority of these first eight quarters. Russell Wilson put on an absolute clinic and cooked them. Matt Stafford, for the most part, cooked him too. I mean, he threw the one pick and had some stagnating moments, but 
there's still like, is anyone going to guard Cooper cup? Is anyone going to even pretend to be near him? I mean, like my goodness, he put, he put on an absolute clinic as well too. If it wasn't for an interception and a bad snap on a state on a punt that led to a touchdown, it could have been much worse. Darius Leonard, he's making big plays, forcing a fumble week one, a tackle for loss on third down to keep it to a field goal that made it a three point game, but he's not making those consistent, like lot, those 10, 11, 12 tackles. We don't see him consistently pop up just the occasional big play here and there. So for the Colts, I'm just down on them as a whole. Considering we had such high expectations for him. We thought it'd be a slow start to the season. I mean, that's a brutal first five, six games. We expected, I thought they'd go maybe three and two at best, maybe two and three, something like that. But to go 0 and two to start at, you had to take at least one of these because it's going to, you got the Titans coming up now with your quarterback possibly out. You got Miami coming up, although their quarterback might be out. And then you got Baltimore, which we'll talk a little bit about Baltimore as well, too. Like, it's not looking good for Indy. I mean, they might have to be fighting for a wild card spot at best. Granted, that division is terrible, so maybe they're still in the running for it. But our double-digit wins for them is looking a little more rough and rough because their schedule does not get easier. Yeah, I mean, look, you you did talk about it in the uh, in the preview for the the Colts. They 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 have potential to go zero and three in their first three games, and it's terrifying to think that if they could do that, that what that re- repercussions might be. But with that said, if they can get healthy, I feel like at this point in time, it's just getting healthy is number one and staying healthy. I feel like they can sustain something, but yeah, this is just right now. The entire cold seem just looks like a shell of itself. And we talked, we already talked about T Y Hilton being, being pretty much almost done for the season. It feels like, I know it's not really technically done for the season, but six, six weeks. Yeah. yeah. The toughest part of your season. Like, yeah, and like it's, 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 he's done for the hard part of the season. He'll come back and, 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 and do it in the easy times. But I know that's, and I forgot to mention too, Paris Campbell injured once again too. missed this last game as well. too. that's your other deep threat. So honestly, the bright, only bright spots for the Colts have been Carson Wentz for the most part when he's healthy. And then Zach Pascal. Yeah. Those are the only two bright spots I could think of. Honestly, I mean, DeForest Buckner has been pretty good, but not great. quiddy has been pretty good. It's a rough start for them. Maybe they'll turn around against the Titans divisional game. It's not a great defense by any means. So Jacob Eason does have to play. Maybe he can find some success and they could find a way to contain the Derrick Henry monster braid, but it's not, it's not looking good either as well. So we'll see what the Colts can do bouncing forward, but luckily they still got 15 games to go. So it's like last year when they lost week one of the Jaguars, you still had 15 games to go. So We'll see that that's a much longer season than usual. So never rule anything out quite yet. They did start one in five last a few years ago when they made the playoffs. So yeah. if that's under Frank Reich and this coaching staff, but granted that's an Andrew Luck led team, which that's a whole nother set of behemoths, but <laughs> you never know. They're not out yet, but it's, it's hard not to be there. It's kind of hard to be up on them. It's definitely down on them right now. Yeah. And, and well, that's going to lead me into my, my, my first tie as well. And that's a team that a lot of people still aren't up on, even though they're two and O right now and have beat a team who just beat the chiefs. And it's kind of a surprising Steelers team so far. And that is the Raiders. I mean, let's be honest. What they did against the Steelers, Henry Ruggs, hello, welcome welcome to, to, to the, your new season. Welcome to 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see you now, sir. And then it, against the Ravens, obviously having to win twice and doing so despite all of John Gruden's woes with choosing choosing personnel, still managed to do it with whoever was on the field, including Zay Jones with the game-winning touchdown. Max Crosby is out of his mind right now. Uh, he might be the best player to not have a sack right now. Like the best pass rusher to not have a sack. It's absolutely insane. Absolutely. And Derek Carr. I, I mean, wh- what can we say about him? I mean, it uh, looks fantastic again. And right now, everybody on that team, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. I mean, goodness. I said it again. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. The man gets open. Look, th- third and Renfro, is a, it was a joke when he was at Clemson. Like, it's like, just because he was so consistently open on third down. It's not just third down anymore. It's just 
first and Renfro, second and Renfro, third and Renfro. And if you got on a fourth down, just put him out there. Fourth and Renfro. You're going to be fine. I, I, By the way, too, my dad lives in that. It lives in like the Oaklandish area. He's very familiar with all the rare stuff. They call him the slot machine down there. So, like, that's all you need to know. Just why he should be on the field all the time. Him and Henry Rugg should be your two receivers on the field at all the time. Absolutely. And then you rotate in Edward Zay Jones as extras, but he should not be the guy you pluck in and out so regularly. He should be your main guy. Absolutely. And I, I got to give some credit here also to the personnel cho- choices for, for Gruden in this game, though, because Peyton Barber coming out as your number one rusher. And leaving Kenyon Drake to be your pass catcher, uh, that was a fantastic move. Honestly, that was a, a huge move by them for sure. And that, that helped them out greatly. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I love, I'm love i loving everything I'm seeing from the Raiders so far. Obviously, it's still a long season to go, as you talked about with the Colts. But as of right now, I'm loving everything I'm seeing for the Raiders. And just to add on to your point, too, it's hard not to be high on the Raiders because their pass, their leader, their quarterback, their field general, Derek Carr, has been absolutely fantastic to start the season. Leading the league in passing yards and not empty calorie stats. Like, they are all needed. Overtime against the Ravens and then this game against the Steelers, you needed up until that 61-yard bomb to Henry Ruggs. It was a one-possession game. That's what really won the game for him. When you needed it most on a bum ankle, for everyone kind of criticizes Derek Carr, calls him a pansy and that sort of thing, too, saying he's skittish in the pocket, all that. When push came to shove, he went out there on a sore ankle, with two defenders in his face and ripped a 61-yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs. Absolutely fantastic. Is if We're talking about MVPs two games into the season, which in a 16-game season is ridiculous, let alone a 17-game season. How is it not Derek Carr? Like He has been absolutely fantastic. His, his interception against the Ravens, he hit Willie Sneed in the face. What more do you want from him to do? Hit him a little bit lower in the jugular so it could bounce higher? Like there's, He's been absolutely fantastic. His only flaw is throwing it to Darren Waller just a little bit too much. But it's hard not to. I mean, it's like in Madden when you have a really good – when you have Darren Waller, man, you want to throw it to him every play. I don't blame him at all, too. So, like, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. He's There's a reason, like, the Colts inquired about him in the offseason. They're like, hey, are you looking to move him? And they're like, absolutely not. They made the right decision. At John Gruden, we, we are hard on him as anybody, rightfully so. He's done a solid job these two weeks managing things as well, too. You mentioned Peyton Barber getting him out there. and Like, Kenyon Drake's probably better to keep Kenyon Drake in that role. Once Josh Jacobs gets healthy, they're going to be rolling. And once they get the once they get that personal grouping set, like when it's Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro out there all the time with Darren Waller, then you mix in the rest of it. I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. Like we talked about, the Chiefs and the Chargers kind of being the teams in this division. It's still the Chiefs in the AFC. Like there's no doubt about that. Still, but maybe the maybe the Raiders are the team to watch on. We talk about the NFC West. How about that AFC West too? My goodness, the Broncos two zero, the Raiders two zero, the Chargers one and one by Greg Zerline's toe, the Chiefs one and one by Lamar Jackson's front flip. That's it's been a crazy division out west for both te- both of it both conference that's gonna take me to my next high i'm gonna go I'll, I'll go low high high low and then back the the last time i'll, I'll do low, low high again so this one's my middle high i'm going kyler murray obviously i'm a big fan of what the the cardinals are have built over the season i picked them to win the nfc west and right now kyler murray makes me look really really smart this man has 689 passing yards on the season right now i mean that's outstanding to start with 73.5 percent completion rate on top of that i mean he just threw for 400 400 yards against the vikings with an 80.6 percent completion rate insane seven touchdowns to three interceptions obviously he i'd love to see the interceptions go down but i'll accept it when you're putting a qbr up of 121.5 i mean i can live with that that's absolutely fantastic and to give you perspective his career qbr 
only about a 92.7. So right now through the first two games, uh, quite literally putting up 30 more QBR points than normal. Um, like everything Kyler Murray does, and we have I'm not even talking about his feet. I'm just talking about his arm right now. His feet have allowed him to do a lot of these things with his arm. I mean, we talk about what he did in the Titans game, going four touchdowns, one interception in that game, and his feet behind the pocket were just outstanding. But we haven't even seen him really break into his whole stretch of things where he can actually run downfield, break off a 40-yarder like it's nobody's business, and then next thing you know, throw it over your head for 60 yards because DeAndre out there somewhere. Like, we haven't seen that, Kyler, yet. And that's what's terrifying in this whole perspective is there's still another Kyler yet to play that we haven't seen, and he's already made this much of a jump it feels like from last season, it's this feels like it might be Kyler's year for this NFC West if he can continue this trend. I know it's the Titans and I know it's the Vikings, two teams that are kind of none of us are great on. None of they, we all kind of can can agree the Titans defense. There's a lot of holes there. The Vikings defense, it's a lot of old there, but uh, uh, you know it's still two two human teams. There's still people out on that field. There's still some professionals. There's still a guy named Patrick Peterson that was out on that field for the Vikings. Uh, still still a guy by the name of, of Kevin Byard out there for the Titans. And he still did it to them too. So I don't know, man. It's it looks good for Kyler so far. We we were both on the Cardinals winning the division last year, bandwagon. Like we were all in on that, <laughs> yeah. like Kyler Murray potentially. We might have just been a year early because he's been absolutely fantastic. He was good last year. He was really good last year, especially to start the season before he got dinged up. Maybe if he if he stays healthy this year, he could be a real he could make a real MVP case, especially if he can come out on top in that division with Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and their Trey Garoppolo, like whatever's going on there as well. Too. we'll see how that plays. Yeah, Trey Lopolo, Jim, Jimance, Lance, like however. Lance Alolo, I don't know at this point in time. Lance Lopolo, yeah. Lance Alopolis, like they, however you want to break that one down, that's still a really good roster. Like it's a really, really good division. I mean, every team in there is 2-0 and minus the Seahawks who are 1-1 one and one and should be 2-0. and Yeah. It's an absolutely great division. If he comes out on top, I agree with you. He make a strong case for MVP which leads me to my other guy I'm high on, a former MVP, Lamar Jackson. I'm not as high on that first half against the Chiefs when he was throwing interceptions. The first one, it was Sammy Watkins slipped and he was a little bit off. It wasn't that bad. That second pick to Tyron Matthew where he's kind of floated up there in the double coverage was kind of miserable. Might have even been triple triple Yeah, triple coverage. Excuse me. like I, I, <laughs> Honey Badger, don't care. But the point is, I wasn't on that Lamar Jackson, but the resiliency he showed and the ability to just say, you know what? I don't, we don't have it in the passing game so much. We are going to run this down your throat. And his, his ability to handle the ball in the backfield between all those options, all those reads, it's very much like a point guard running an offense, basically. We kind of joke about that with some of these other playmaking quarterbacks. Like they call Taylor Heineke like a point guard. Lamar really is a point guard with the ball back there. He could be a magician with the fake handoffs, the pitches, and he might be the best runner in football with the ball in his hands. He's top five, guaranteed. His ability to elude people. He juked four people on one Chiefs run. He juked Dan Sorensen like three times, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he is he's absolutely incredible with the ball in his hands even for i don't want to say it's false pass because it makes it sound like i'm saying he's a guy that can't throw but for his limitations passing we'll say like his he could throw it down the field it's just not always accurate he could throw it inside the numbers really accurately in mid-range down the field outside the numbers a little wavery sometimes the re, the decision making in the pass game is not not too great sometimes it's the rpos that open things up for him and teams have started to catch up on that a little bit but it doesn't matter when you're as dynamic as he is with the ball he put that team on his back offense is like all right Give me some running backs. We will just make the reads and we'll go from there. Granted, it's the Chiefs defense, not world beaters by any means. The Browns had their way running with them the week before too. Yeah. And we saw the Raiders defense, Mad Max and them, they made life hell for Lamar. They 
And he's, but that could be just because the Raiders are that good. And maybe the Ravens are really good too. Maybe that's a really good win for the Raiders, not a bad loss for the Ravens. But what Lamar did, and then doing the stomp the yard, Chris Brown posed into the end zone on the game-winning touchdown. Absolutely fantastic. Their ability to punch it in was, granted, they couldn't do it for two. But when it came to punching in for touchdowns, that's something we talked about the Colts earlier. Their red zone trips have been abysmal. They did not score on touchdowns at all in the red zone, it seems like. Whenever they score, it's from 20 out or more. But for the for them, for the Ravens, they get in the red zone, it's money because Lamar Jackson's going to make a play. So I'm really high on what Lamar's doing. And once again, in that division, everybody's one-on-one now. You, you went from looking like you were in real trouble to you're right back in the thick of it. I mean, the Browns, we both picked as to win that one, but the Ravens can compete with that team. We know that. Mm-hmm. The Steelers, they are offensively inept as they come. Lamar breaks a run or two. That game's suddenly a whole lot different if you can run away from T.J. Watt a few times. The Bengals, they have a ways to go, as we learned, too. They got a ways to Still go. Still in the thick of things, though. They, 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 there's a ways before we start putting them with the others down the stretch. But I, I'm really high on what Lamar's. So I'm not saying he's going to be MVP. I'm not going to say he's going to be even – he might not even be a pro bowler. But I think he's going to have a whole lot of gangster coming down the stretch and how they determine this game, how this season plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we uh, we talked about this at nauseum on the color cast. Like, I went off on it because I feel like – I feel like Lamar doesn't get his just due. Like people, people are so adamant about how he can't throw the balls outside of the numbers. Which, yes, okay, he does struggle. It's honestly kind of creepy. It's the way. It's the exact opposite of what Cam Newton was. Cam Newton could not throw the ball between the numbers accurately, hmm. but he could throw a deep ball down the sidelines with so much finesse. It doesn't make sense. The deep ball and those deep corner routes that he was throwing the Steve Smith is rookie year every damn play. It seemed yeah. like like Cam Newton was like it's like he that was a perfect comparison. He's the opposite of Cam Newton when it comes to passing for better and for worse. Yeah, and, and kind of the opposite in the run game too. And and I don't mean that in a, in a slight for either man. It's just one was power running, one was finesse running. What Lamar does with the ball in his hands is absolutely fantastic. And people just don't seem to gather the fact that Lamar is a still an MVP caliber quarterback. Lamar has an MVP in his name already and he's already proven himself to be a successful quarterback at one point in time he'd only missed four passes in this game and and two of those were picks like two of those were picks and he had missed four total passes so he, that means only two hit the ground yeah only two yeah to, only two passes hit the ground one because one and then one pick was because sammy slipped as you mentioned the other one was just well that was just not smart but <laughs> you t- add that on top of the, what he's able to do with his feet Look, I don't need a whole I don't need a 400 yard game passing from Lamar to, for it to be a successful game from Lamar. If he can give me 250 and then 80 on the ground and he just is effective on the ground getting first downs, maybe get a touchdown here and there. Fantastic. I uh, look Yes, please. That's just that, to me that is just as good as a 400 yard Aaron Rodgers performance. Absolutely. I mean, if he gives you 250 and 100 like that with a touchdown each, money that's 350 and two touchdowns you'll take that every day on an average if he gives you 200 and like 50 but those 50 are all like third down conversion scrambles first down runs maybe even in goal to get you down to the one and tyson williams or Devontae freeman levon but whoever they want to plug in a running back it's going to get much easier for him sets up a passing touchdown like that's those little underrated things with lamar what make him so great and what makes defenses like oh god not lamar not, I don't want to deal with that. And then it allows them to break games open like we saw it flat, uh, on my, Sunday night as well. Yeah, and, and the one thing the Ravens never have to worry about is struggling to hold on to the ball. Like, let's be honest, because they're a heavy run-based team, their ability to play ball control is second to none. I actually tweeted it early on the season after the Colts' first drive. They held it for like nine and a half minutes. Like, if this is how the Colts can play offense, they'll lead the, they'll lead the league in time of possession. 
the Ravens do that throughout the season, they will lead the league in time of possession this season very easily. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner absolutely and so that's going to take me to my second low uh, i'm going to get this one out of the way quick and fast and in a hurry um because they're doing a great job of getting urban meyer out of the league in a hurry and that is the entire jaguars backing up everything i've said so far about urban meyer as a pro pro coach this team is awful absolutely awful Trevor Lawrence, you were leading the team in passing with 450 yards. Uh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence has more picks in two games in the pros than he had in his entire college career, mind you, at five. He only has four touchdowns, by the way. Uh, he is also the team's third leading rusher, leading rusher being James Robinson at 72 yards. A man that led the league through most of the season last year has 72 total rushing yards at this point in time. The next closest has 34. Uh, so, look, I, I looking at this team, I'm just going to go down their team statistics real fast. Total first downs. 32 total first downs for the Jaguars. Their opponents have 44. And third down conversions, 7 of 22. Opponents, 14 of 32. Uh, they do are they are 2 of 2 on fourth down conversions. Congratulations. Well, whoop-dee-doo. Total offensive yards, 584 total offensive yards. I just named a quarterback who has 100 more offensive yards by himself passing, not including his running yards, in Kyler. That is already eclipsing this team. Their opponents, 847. The average yards per play, 4.9. A total of 151 rushing yards. As I mentioned, Trevor Lawrence is your third leading rusher, by the way. Just let's not forget that. Um, Also, by the way, Trevor Lawrence is averaging 50% completion rate. So... I'm literally watching this team just get dismantled. These professional players get dismantled by Urban Meyer's coaching. I Because what I'm seeing is not professional coaching. What I'm seeing is purely a guy who doesn't know what he's trying to do in over his head. That's truthfully what I'm seeing for, from Urban and his coaching staff. They're, uh, I, I can't find a single bright spot for this team. They're 0 for 3 on field goal attempts. Giving up four sacks. I, I I mean, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know what I can look at this team and say it looks good, really. Honestly, the best way I look at them is they're basically continuing the AFC South trend of destroying young, promising quarterbacks, more or less, is how it looks like it's going right now. We talked about the Andrew Luck thing, the Deshaun Watson issue, and now we have Trevor Lawrence. It looks like this career is going to go, I hope it doesn't go downhill quick, fast, in a hurry, because... He's sensational. Like that touchdown through to Marvin Jones. He dropped that one in the bucket well before it was open. The corner even was like, he's not going to throw this. Oh my God, he threw this. Well, sorry. Like if I guard that, he's going to catch a curl in front of me. Like that, that was a perfect throw for a touchdown. Kyle Fuller's a stud. And he's like, what do you want me to do there? And again, he threw a nice touchdown to DJ shark in week one. Like he's doing great things. It's just like, you can only do so much. We talk about it nauseum. Only a handful of quarterbacks in history can overcome like poor, a poor team, like a really, truly poor team. There's like, Andrew Luck, who had to do it really, which still honestly would be take for granted how good how good he was taking that pile of trash team as far as he did. And maybe Tom Brady, really. And even right now, he's doing it with the best cast we've ever seen. We're talking about in his prime, Tom Brady did it with some 
mediocre talent, but some of the best coaching we've ever seen. No one's doing it with both. Like no, very few guys besides like the Andrew Luck and the Peyton Manning and the Tom Brady's like those type of guys are doing it with mediocre coaching and okay at best players yeah. at best. Okay. Like he, what, uh, you got to feel for the man. Hopefully it gets turned around. Maybe Urban Meyer quits halfway through and they find like a diamond in the rough. I don't know. Like you, you kind of knew this. We all talked about this. We did not like the hire. It didn't make sense to us. Then we saw that thing with Doyle, the Iowa strength and condition coaches going through his own issues as well. Then that whole thing played out and became an absolute mess. It's, I don't like this, man. I really don't like this for the Jaguars. It's, I have a bad feeling they can end up doing a back-to-back first overall pick at this rate. And it's not going to be Trevor Lawrence's fault, but he's going to catch all the heat for it. Absolutely. I, I do have to get, okay, I found one bright spot after searching through their their stats into their their uh, eternity of stats that they keep. Hmm. Uh, Josh Allen, obviously the, the pass rushing Josh Allen, does have two sacks on the season. However, eight total tackles because he has been splitting time. He is on 40% of their total defensive snaps. Why is your number one pass rusher, number one edge rusher, number one edge in general, your probably your second best defensive player, only on forty percent of your defensive snaps? He's outstanding defensive, and he plays the run well, not great, but well enough considering what he gives you pass rushing. He was a top ten pick in the draft, a guy that the Raiders got ripped for not taking. They took Cleveland Farrell, which could you imagine they took Josh Allen to go with Max Crosby? Looking at it hindsight now, like my goodness, like. But I agree with you. Like, why are you doing that? Miles Jack can only do so much. He's fantastic, but he is limited as well too. Like you, you can't ask him to just guard all 11 players. Your safety is still Andrew Wingard. He's, he picked off Phillip rivers. That is his career accomplishment. Oh, he does have a sack this season. Andrew Wingard does, which tells you everything you need to know about this team. I rest my case. Honestly, (laughs) he ran into a sack by accident. They, the, that Jaguars team is a mess. Hopefully they could figure something out, but I agree that I think urban Meyer, that experiment's not looking good at all. No, it's it's rough. It's it's, it's one thing to be zero two, but to look like this while you're being zero two—that's the problem. Yeah, like okay, so I obviously we talked about the Broncos being two zero, and I just got to keep harping on this Trevor Lawrence stat line. This is the last thing: forty-two point four percent completion rate, one hundred and eighteen passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a thirty-seven point two QBR. I, I'm sorry, I can't make a good thing out of that. I want Trevor Lawrence to succeed. I want Jacksonville to have a quarterback. I don't think they're going to have this success that they were hoping for under Urban Meyer, and I've said that from day one. Oh, what we hammered that home too, and then taking Travis Etienne with your other first round pick, like great player, but that didn't make sense. Oh. That really didn't make sense. Like that is not one of your key needs when you had James Robinson. You got Tyson Campbell. At least you got the better of the two Georgia corners. But you just took C.J. Henderson the year before with a first round pick in the corner. And you were already shopping him. Yeah. Like there's it, Trayvon Merrick was there. You had so many other options. Like. We we could do we gonna do an entire episode ragging on the Jaguars, but we're gonna just we're, I'm gonna move forward. I'm gonna stick in the state of Florida with my other low. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins, a team we both were real we both like a lot. There's a lot of good players we like. Brian Flores is a fantastic coach. To his rib fracture, that's not looking good. Jacobian relief duty against the Bills, he did not look good. He did not look like the Jacoby that had some moments with the Colts. Yeah, they got shut out 35 to nothing against that Bills team. Their defense had some moments. They had made Josh Allen look a little erratic, but. The, those corners, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, arguably the best corner in the league, they're really, really good. Like, they are really good. And then you have Noah Igonomini, Ig- who Ig- also Ig- plays corner. Igonomini, whatever. Noah, playing your other corner spot as well, too. There's there's not – the pass rush is limited. You got Javon Holland, too. You got out of Oregon. Like, there's way too much talent there to be this rough. And on offense, Will Fuller seems to be coming back. That's good to hear. You have the speedster go with Jalen Waddle, who's had his moments, Devontae Parker. But realistically, you should be 0-2. You should have lost to the Patriots. The Patriots gave that game away, and you just got toasted by the Bills. And now you got the Raiders coming up, the team that we we've, we don't need to talk about the Raiders. We already did that in abundance. 
And you got to do that with your backup quarterback. Is I'm really long because we thought they could have made a strong push for the division if it wasn't for the Bills. And after the Bills lost to the Steelers, we were both thinking like, huh, maybe we just swap the Bills on the maybe they just swap the Bills on the Dolphins. Maybe we got the teams right, just the records backwards. I'm worried the the Dolphins are gonna be one of those teams. They're gonna be like ten and seven. They're gonna miss out on the playoffs again. But they're gonna be so good. They're just there's something missing. And Tua getting hurt is gonna hurt as well too, unless Jacoby can refine himself a little bit because he's a good backup quarterback. But it, I don't know, man. I really don't know. We there's a lot to see for them as well too. And how long is Tua out? And I want to see more offense from them. You have 19 points in two games. Like that's not going to get it done. That's really not going to get it done. Look, we joke about Brian Flores and, 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 you know, the Bill Belichick effect, obviously being in game one, uh, but uh, it shouldn't extend into game two either. Brian, uh, I know you love your defense, but you do need some offense occasionally, but I, you're exactly right. I think. And I mean, we talk about the bills defense might actually be improved a little bit this year. It should not do that to you. No, My goodness. No, it no. should not shut you out through four quarters. I know two of went out, but he went out early. Like you should get some, gar- you should get a garbage time field goal. Like it's mandatory. Yes. For fantasy owner's sake, if nothing else, get a garbage time field goal. Somewhere. Look, and I'll, I'll also say this. Maybe that bills team was just that pissed off from losing in week one to the Steelers. Maybe they really were just like, no, 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 no. We're shutting you out. Like you don't get a garbage time point. We will literally break that guy's leg if he tries to kick that field goal and then on top of it too after what happened in week 17 last year when they needed the win and get in and the bills ran through them it's not it's looking really rough for the dolphins that are already even though you're tied at the top of the division already actually no the patriots at the top of the division you're tied for you're tied fighting for a wild card it's already feeling like well damn we might be in trouble already yeah. just because that's not going to work when you play we talk about the colts was them and the colts are the two teams that are like well we got to hope at this point. You're already almost hoping for other things right now at this point. We're hoping things just come together later than earlier. It's so early, so I'm not going to rule them out. But, man, I do not like what I'm seeing from them early on on the offensive side. And the defensive side struggling for it. Yeah. Hey, Brian Flores, just a helpful helpful suggestion. I hear uh, I hear that uh, Felipe Franks is looking for a starting job. Go ahead and give that man a call. Uh, let, let him start. Give Felipe Franks a chance back in Florida. Uh, anyways, yeah, no. Moving on to my third low, though, the final low. And just like in week one, I have another kicker to pick on because, well, the Vikings, and if you're a Vikings fan, I don't blame you if you turn off the podcast now because you probably already know what I'm about to say. Vikings kickers in crunch times are the worst historical kickers ever. And I'm not saying one kicker. I'm saying Vikings kickers in general during crunch time to win a game are the worst kickers available to in the nfl period point blank greg joseph two of three on the night hit a 52 yarder earlier in the game on a chippy 36 yard field goal to win the game down 33 34 to the cardinals in university of phoenix stadium with the dome closed misses it wide right how many more times will the vikings see a kicker give up on a chip chip shot like they had dan carlson not be able to hit field goals and 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 that would have changed their game Uh, a couple years back they had dan bailey missing they had blair walsh missing i mean you can go back into their heyday in the purple people eaters and their their kicker missing field goals like it has been a thing for the vikings and i feel like at this point in time this is like florida state in the wide left or wide right like i feel like you're just this is your thing my minnesota and you're just gonna have to deal with it Absolutely. Like it's, it's cursed. I mean, you lost that playoff game as well too, not a few years ago to the Seahawks and that 12, the nine game or whatever it was too. you missed feel like 
kicking for the Vikings is a curse. And it takes a very special type of kicker, like a Dan Bailey type to be able to break that curse. And they just don't have that right now. There's, and on top of it, you had the ball, you had time when you were in that position, you just kind of let the clock drip instead of trying to get a little bit closer. You have guys like Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and now Mr. Krabs. You even have Osborne who's suddenly Kirk cousins, new favorite target. You have Kellen Mond. You can stick in there and just run QB draw or something like just get a little closer. Why don't you? I don't, they, they made their own bet and they fell through it. Unfortunately. And I agree with you that kicking situation, Minnesota has got to change. <laughs> like, I don't know what that, I, I don't know what type of voodoo they have to do, but they need to, they need to call some witch doctor somewhere or they need to head down to new Orleans and, and purge all the negative spirits with some voodoo. I don't, I literally don't know what you need to do at this point in time. I don't know if there's some special Minnesota voodoo that they have there. I, I don't know, but there's got to be what something. What they need is maybe they need a kicker who's unorthodox, somebody who's not an actual kicker to come kick them, which means I am on my way to Minnesota, get my veteran minimum contract. I'll say either you, Chad Johnson, uh, they could call Jeff Heath. Jeff Heath could take kick off or can kick field goals. Adama Kansu's kicked one. Maybe they trade for him. I don't know. Yeah. So hey, there you go. Didn't kick it well, but I mean, it's there. <laughs> doesn't have to be good. Doesn't have to be pretty to go in at this point in time if you're the Vikings. All right. And for my final low before we get into our final highs as well, too. I'm going to stick to the NFC West and I'm going to look at Seattle Seahawks defense because that was a, that's a fourth quarter performance, especially against the Titans was putrid. You have two impact players and Bobby Wagner, a top five middle linebacker all time, arguably maybe one of the two best of the two thousands, argue top two or three, depending on how you want to rate him. We can, we can do a whole episode on where Bobby Wagner, Wagner ranks all time for another day, but he's fantastic. You have Jamal Adams, one of the highest paid safeties, a guy who was arguably the best safety a couple years ago. Linebacker. He still can't catch. He literally can't catch a pick, but that, so he's a linebacker now. But either way, that's a lot of impact players. Quandre Diggs, a Pro Bowl safety. And you let the, you had a 30 to 16 lead with Russell Wilson, and you let it slip away. You lost to over, in overtime to the Titans. Russell didn't do you any favors down the stretch. He kind of turned back into bombs away Russell again instead of methodical pick apart the Colts Russell. And we kind of talked about that when he's playing move the chains offense, that Seahawks team is a Super Bowl contender. When they're playing, screw it, they down there somewhere. My fantasy team appreciates it with Tyler Lockett, but it's not didn't do them a whole lot of good long term. So I, that defense at the same time, though, they got to do so. You can't let that lead slip away when you have that much money spent on just those two players. Then you have Carlos Dunlap, Rasheem Green. You have too many players against the Titans offense that, while good, it has the players. We saw in week one that they had no problems getting sacked by Chandler Jones. Why, are you, why is Jamal Adams not blitzing and getting sacked? You let Derrick Henry go absolutely ballistic for 30 carries and what was 180 yards and three touchdowns plus 60 yards receiving. Like you can't let that happen. He wasn't the only one. You also had Julio Jones going off in that game too. The ghost of Julio Jones came back to life as well too. Like you can't let that happen. You can't have a 30 to 16 lead and let them get back into that quick, fast, in a hurry. You can't let Derrick Henry right after that big touchdown to Swain for like 60 yards when the to leave. You let Derrick Henry break a 50 plus yarder like two plays later it felt like. Like you, that Seahawks defense is going to be their Achilles. So that might be the worst defense in this division. And that offense, it might not even be the best offense in that division anymore too. The way the Rams are looking, the way the Cardinals are looking like their playoff hopes are, they're going to be, they're another one. Like they're one and one. They had a great week one win. We were, I was high on them after week one and they were good through the first three quarters of this game, but that defense has to clean that up. You can't let big plays, especially on the ground like that break you. Cause I think once Derrick Henry broke that one, that's when you kind of knew this one might be over. Yeah. Look, this one, but first of all, I need to just go ahead and say this. I played both Derrick Henry and Julio Jones in my fantasy league. The same team uh, had both guys. And let me just say Seattle Seahawks defense. I hate you. I love mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner. I love him to death. I hate you right now, though, defense. I, you're terrible. Mm-hmm. 
I literally almost lost my mind. With Kyler Murray as and Cooper Cup on my team, I still had to struggle to win on Monday night. Uh, so not happy with you right now, Seattle defense. Mm-hmm. But I think to your point, it's, this is a whole Seahawks issue too. Like, Russell was – Russell, what are you doing, dude? Just move the chains. Like, take a hit from your wife's song – and one two step your way down the down the field and you'll be absolutely a okay in this game. Like you blow them out easy. You have two tight ends that you utilize so well in Gerald Everett and Will Disley. Absolutely both starting tight ends and you didn't use them at all this week. You ran the ball very effectively week one with Chris Carson and squad. Where where are they at though? It's not like the Titans defense is world beaters. So I obviously we could go you know I'm going to change my from the Seahawks defense to the Seahawks as a whole. Yeah. I'm just going to encapsulate the whole thing. Cause I didn't like the play calling. I didn't like the execution. It was more on the defense when you have a 30 to 16 lead and you let Derrick Henry break that in one carry. That was kind of the one I was like, you got to be kidding me, but let's just make it the whole Seahawks at this point. They'll be fine. They'll still probably be a playoff team down the stretch, but their Super Bowl aspirations, I think took a hit. It's week two. So I'm not going to rule them out, obviously, but if that's going to be the story of the season, again, it's going to be the same old song at Seahawks and dance at this point. Yeah. That's what's terrifying to see, uh, but that's going to take me into my final high. And it's a former NFC West quarterback. Uh, the other side of the Matt Stafford trade, and that's Jared Goff. And it's really more towards this Lions team in general over the next couple years. I do see them being a lot better. But right now, Jared Goff, I can't complain about what he's doing right now. Five touchdowns, two interceptions, 584 yards. Uh, By the way, more yardage than the Jacksonville Jaguars offense as well by himself. Mm. I'm just going to say that as well. He also has a 18% better completion rate than um, Trevor Lawrence right now at 68.8, which is the highest of his career, period. And then a 94.6 QBR uh, on a team that has TJ Hawkinson's hippie hair and then some running backs. <laughs> like, like you're throwing to running backs and TJ Hawkinson every play. Uh, I honestly couldn't name you more than maybe one or two of their receivers, period. And uh, that just shows you what Jared Goff is able to do. Maybe it wasn't just Sean McVay that made him. Maybe getting out from under McVay's thumb is actually helping him breathe a little bit and, and get a little better. I don't know. But I do love what I'm seeing so far from Jared Goff. And obviously, yes, this this Lions team is 0-2. All right, I get it. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Lions are 0-2. Who's, who, who's surprised by that? Not anybody. But the fact is they've scored points and they've looked effective offensively during stretches of these two games. Obviously, closing out the game against the 49ers, they fought back. Early on in the, against the game against the Packers, I think the Packers were scared. I think the Packers were afraid they were going to lose two in a row. And then Aaron Rodgers was like, don't worry, guys. R-E-L-A-X, I got you. Don't worry. And his hippie hair, and he he got himself. Let's not forget Aaron Jones with his four touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, too. Aaron Jones as well. looked fantastic. Um, and, and congratulations to him because Aaron Jones, love that. Lo- love love his story and everything he does uh, night in and night out. He's uh, probably one of the best running backs that never will get the love he deserves. Um but yeah, look, he's he's a fantastic player. But look, Jared Goff, he is he is keeping he is doing what he can right now. And obviously, again, I will say this ad nauseum: the Lions have a lot of holes that need to be filled. And for right now, the next two years probably not going to be the prettiest thing in the world. But if they can hold Jared Goff for that two year period and keep him in in mind and not losing a step because of all the struggles. I think after that two-year period, they are going to have a lot of fun on this team because you have a lot of good young pieces, uh, and, and and there's some growing places there. And then I do think there are some some young, talented players that can that can grow with this team for sure. 
And you got a rip of draft picks coming up as well, too, to go with that. So you're going to be able to build quite the squad if Dan Campbell and that regime is the, is a quality regime. Lions could be a force, especially as Aaron Rodgers makes his way out. We'll see maybe them and Justin Fields are the ones battling for the – and the Bears battling at the top of those. That's a fun one to look out for as well, too. And for my final high to get this one really quickly, you're going to love this one. I'm going to take the NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys as my final high as well, too. After what they did to the Chargers, a team that we both, at least myself, I had high expectations for as well, too. Picking off Justin Herbert a couple times, too. Mike Losing both your defensive ends, putting Micah Parsons down there, who had eight quarterback hurries or something along those lines. He was a force all over the place. Leighton Vanderesh looking young. The D, the secondary, Trayvon Diggs having another interception. Granted, they, they still have some holes to go for through as well, too. Sec, Malik Hooker, we saw Malik Hooker siding, making tackles on the backfield. The rangy safety out of Ohio State has been injured. We saw Jalen Smith all over the place as well, too. Their front line got after the Chargers a little bit as well, too. They showed a lot of good signs. They held the Chargers to 14 points, I believe it was, 17 points. Like, they held them down pretty well. And then on top of that, offensively, Dak only threw the ball like 25 or so times. Fantastic. You ran the P word out of the ball. Tony Pollard had 100-plus yards. He leads the team in rushing right now at 123. Zeke is still struggling with his only 3.9 yards per carry. That's still a little worrisome. But he got out. You have two 100 yard rushers. He still got 70 plus, if I'm not mistaken. CeeDee Lamb, 185 yards in two games. Mari Cooper, 163. Like, despite the injuries, I like what I saw from them. Kellen Moore in that offense, what they called, they ran the ball. They utilized different weapons like Tony Pollard in motion handoffs. CeeDee Lamb took a carry as a running back at one point. Mari Cooper didn't get a whole lot of burn in that game, but they still made it work because he had that injury as well, too. I want to see Zeke a little more in the passing game as well, too, since he's struggling to get running. Seems like when they see Zeke, it's like, all right, halfback dive. And they run a halfback dive, and the defense is like, well, we saw this coming. Here's nine in the box. I want to see them mix up that way a little bit, see if they can get Zeke the ball in unique ways. But I liked what I saw from the Cowboys against a really game Chargers team that I think is going to be a playoff contender. So if I'm the Cowboys, I feel pretty good. I mean, I didn't like week one where it was Dak's air raid show and empty calories. Granted, the score did get close. But we did week two against the Chargers overall. I was a fan of two, and I think you, you can sustain that. That division could be theirs for the taking. The Zach Martin effect is what I'm going to call it. The Zach Martin effect. Get him back in there and look how things change. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Look, I, I'm still worried about Zeke. I'm not going to lie. But I do love the Tony Pollard getting the actual touches. Uh, that's exactly what I asked for, you know, when we did our last episode. It was like, you need to do something to get some kind of game going for these guys. It's exactly what happened. Don't don't make Dak throw it 50-plus times. And they did that. And obviously, Amari's nagging injury, I kind of wish it'd just go away. Like, I wish he'd stay healthy. I wish he could have a wholly healthy year. Like, he doesn't have to worry about any little nagging injuries, but that is the life of a pro wide receiver, I feel like, at this point in time. Um, you're always Absolutely. you're always going to have those. But, yeah, no, I, I love the pick, obviously, against the Chargers team that we're both very high on, and so it's, a, it's it means something there for sure. Absolutely. Basically, as long as Dak's not in the running for passing yards leader or MVP, basically, I think the Cowboys are going to win. As weird as that is, I think they're at their best when they can get Pollard and Zeke going. Like, Dak can go air raid, but I don't think that's conducive for them to win. And that defense, once they get healthy, I think can be pretty good because I like Micah Parsons, honestly, as that stand-up defensive end more than just a ranging linebacker. And it lets you get the multiple guys on the field with Keanu Neal, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vandrash. It lets you get everybody on the field because you have a weird plethora of linebackers. You got to find a way to play as many of them as you can because it's your strongest position. I want to see Jabril Cox get on the field at some point. So I think he's an absolute stud to just put Keanu Neal back at safety where he belongs. Have him and Malik Cooker back there. Micah Parsons at the end. Then you'd have Jalen Smith, Leighton Vandrush, Jabril Cox. That's an NFC East division winning team. I don't care about the rest. Just give me that, and I think you'll be in good shape, especially when DeMarcus Lawrence gets healthy again. All right, so that does it for the main event for us. That's our three highs, three hellos apiece. That will take us into crunch time presented by ColorCast. If you guys have not checked out ColorCast yet, what are you doing? 
because you're missing out. We call a game, a college football game and an NFL game every week for the entire season. That means this week we will be calling App State versus Marshall. So if you listen to this on Thursday, we are going to be calling a game for you later tonight. And then we'll be doing the Monday night game, the Eagles versus the Cowboys. Versus these Cowboys. Versus them boys. So that'll be a a lot of fun. Cannot wait for that. Um, But yeah, so we we, obviously ColorCast is a fantastic sponsor with us, uh, you know, partner. We we love them to death. We love everything Evan and Tristan are doing. Um, So be sure to stay tuned for more updates with that. As we continue on, but DJ, your crunch time. What you got? I'm gonna sit. We've gone from the hardwood to the gridiron. Now we're gonna jump in the octagon really quick with the big UFC pay per view coming up this week. Multiple title fights as well too. Alexander Volkanovski taking on Brian Ortega after their Ultimate Fighter coaching stint. Definitely a little bit heated, you could say as well too. They definitely weren't the best of friends going this one. As Volkanovski has called himself the king of the hobbits after beating multiple shorter featherweights. And Ortega, his only career loss to former champion Max Holloway. Fantastic finishing machine, to say the least. He chokes people out. He can knock them out. He's a he's a dangerous fighter. And Volkanovski, as we know, the champion as well, too. Then you got Valentina Shevchenko, the return of the bullet. And the, anytime she steps in the cage, you can expect something dramatic and fantastic looking. And, of course, there is the not the main main the main not main event, the people's main event. The return of Stockton's own Nick Diaz going back to the octagon after a long hiatus all the way back to 2015, January 2015, when he fought Anderson Silva to a no contest. Uh, one of the more hilarious fights I've ever seen, too, is some of his antics. We see Nick Diaz coming back, taking on Robbie Lawler, the former UFC welterweight champion, the basically the assassin baby when you look at him as well, too, the way he absolutely destroys people. He's ruthless is the perfect nickname for him. 209 months after they fought for the first time, Stockton's area code 209. So that's definitely a very fun coincidence as well, too. We'll see the return of Nick Diaz and the return of Lawler, both towards the tail end of what could be their careers as well, too. I can't wait to see that as well. It's going to be a great fight now as well, too. Really looking forward to that and seeing what Nick Diaz looks like after so much time off. How much better did he get? Did he get worse? Did We'll see, because he probably feels better as far as training and skills and doesn't have the damage on him. But at the same time, there could be ring rust. There could just be lack of mat time. Really curious to see how that plays out. And, of course, two championship fights. You can't beat that. Not at all. That would be an exciting one to see. Uh, for me, I'm looking over here at this Penn State game. Obviously, we just called the Penn State-Auburn game and all the things that came with that. Uh, but, look, Penn State might be for real. What Sean Clifford and that team was able to do, James Franklin able to do in that second half, Sean Clifford was absolutely perfect, 11 of 11, in the second half. He played a perfect game. That coaching staff called a perfect game in the second half. And I don't care who you are. It could have been Auburn. It could have been Alabama. No team can go that perfect and compete against somebody who's going perfect because that is too much pressure on the other team. You're just naturally just destroying teams. And that was in the return of the wideout, which I wish to God we could go to. I wish that would have been the game we we were at. But you know what? That is A-OK because I'm still going to get to one one day because that was such a fantastic environment to see. The return of college football is absolutely fantastic, and the return of the wideout was even better. And congratulations to Penn State because I'm still going to give them credit on it. And like, I, I I don't care about the the whatever penalties or whatever they both teams are clamoring for at the end. I don't. I'm ignoring that because Sean Clifford and James Franklin, what they did at the end of that game was absolutely fantastic. You don't just go 11 for 11 in a second half in a big top 25 matchup against a SEC powerhouse that is Auburn. I mean, Auburn is trying to grow something with Brian Harson and. And for all intents and purposes, look to be doing so with their two-headed monsters in the running back core. But Penn State stymied that right now. And, and number six right now in the top 25 in the AP. So uh, looking pretty fantastic. 
and that was with Joan Dotson being hobbled in the second half as well, too. Unlimited duty as well, too. Your best player, arguably not able to see the field nearly as much. So fantastic for Penn State as well, too. And yeah, that was quite the game. We'll see what they can do. Cause you got Iowa, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan. Like Big Ten's looking real big this year as well, too. And I'm really looking forward to that Iowa. Penn State game. Hopefully, they could both stay undefeated until that one. We'll have ourselves a nice top five throwdown. Yeah, I mean, right now, number five and number six right now in the AP poll. Uh, Iowa at five, Penn State at six. So that'll be exciting for sure. But guys, that'll do it for us today. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And if you guys are listening to us on the Unhinged Radio, powered by Belly Up Sports, you will have Craft Root Sports coming up right after us with a brand new episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But if you guys listen to us on our streaming platforms, go back and check out any of the episodes you have not checked out. Our predictions. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're great. I don't know. Take your pick. Uh, we always have one good gem, one bad gem, for sure, in, in, in any of them. Speaking of take your pick, don't forget to follow our Twitter page and all of our social medias. We'll also be posting weekly dog pick videos as well, too, for the Thursday night football games as well, too. Right now, Brew took week one picking Washington while Hershey pick the Giants. Maybe if you're listening right now on Thursday, go ahead and give it a quick check. See, see who's picking this way and keep track and we'll see who has the better record by the end of the year. Maybe they have a better pick percentage than both Kelsey and I do on the fourth and four show. That's definitely something to check out as well. Yeah, absolutely. So fourth and four on Sundays, the Bruin Hershey's Thursday night picks will be released Thursday as well. Uh, Hershey did get her punishment for uh, missing week one, by the way. She got sprayed by a skunk. So that was absolutely fantastic for me. Uh, for sure. Not on purpose, by the way. No, too, no. Anyone that was not on purpose. That was a completely unwanted. Completely undesirable uh, offense that happened. But yeah, it's, it is byproduct of the new apartment. Uh, but that does it for us today, guys. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, we will see you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.